0: a basketball game without a game plan and forming one is so important to, to winning same thing in real estate if you want to win in real estate don't go at it haphazard go into it with a game plan so to help us with that today we have a guy who really has formulated a game plan and he's living it out and uh, that is tom hyatt of hyatt real estate good morning tom
1: good morning don
0: Thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I know you're going to share a lot of information because you got a book here called Real Estate. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't it get specific?
1: Well, it says investing in real estate. Oh, very
0: oh. specific. Investing in real estate. Absolutely. So, you are um, you're currently an investor here in the Fresno area. I am. And what what was your game plan in the very beginning? What got you started?
1: Well, I started investing in real estate, uh, I'd say, about 50 years ago, Uh, and I had concluded two things very quickly about investing in real estate. It can be a tax shelter, as we all know, and the whole purpose, uh, one of the other purposes is it can be an element of passive income for the future when you decide to retire. So So uh, 50 years ago, mm -hmm. what was the price of that (laughs) first home? Oh boy, I bought two condominiums down in San Diego on South Mission Beach. Uh, one cost me uh, around twenty eight thousand. The other one cost about thirty two. Was that your down payment? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, and I sold both for in nineteen seventy five, and I can't tell you why but i sold one for 48,000 and one for 52,000 and there was no thought at all of tax deferred exchanges uh i didn't you know, obviously i didn't really make enough money to even think about that and uh, uh that's when i had uh, uh i was transferred uh i was in the real estate industry from my lending standpoint moved up to northern california and uh i've always been the type of investor if i can't get to the home or the piece of real estate I've invested in within 20 to 25 minutes, it is just territorial out of bounds for me. So I took all of my investments out of San Diego, much to my dismay, and moved them up to the Bay Area, and then finally down to Fresno in 1990.
0: All right. So <clears throat> that first one you bought for 28000 <laughs> what would you say it's worth today?
1: Uh, a minimum of three quarters of a
0: million all right, $750,000 approximately. Sure. You bought it for 28000 I did. That in itself is a reason to invest in real estate.
1: No doubt in my mind. And there's been some big ups and
0: downs. You remember back in the early 80s when interest rates got to 17.5%. Um, that really hurt the market, slowed it down.
1: Sure. Uh, well, absolutely, but as you say... Through times like that, uh, there has been another form of real estate financing that has uh, uh, you know has actually come about, and that being borrowing through private investors, uh utilizing whatever means of alternate financing you can you can find in order to achieve uh you know the purpose of buying. but you know when your interest rates are that high, it's also going to have a negative value. On the property that's on the market to be sold because if you can't qualify to buy something nothing's going to be sold and things are just going to sit and
0: i i remember back because i started investing in 1978 so that Mm -hmm. was 41 years ago sure and um so then about 19 was it 82 83 when those interest rates got so high um i remember that because the interest rate was so high the cost of purchasing was so high on the uh, mortgage side that negative cash flow was just a given. You knew that every month you were not going to, if your mortgage payment was $700, you were lucky to get $500 rent. So you had to feed that thing $200 a month.
1: Well, this was also uh, at the beginning of the advent of this thing called ARM. That would somewhat assist you, and I have not necessarily been. Well, ARM certainly armed, the ARM loan, the adjustable rate mortgage is something that we've had to utilize for specific reasons in in whatever your investment uh, 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 approach is at the time. I'm buying a house. I don't plan to keep it over five years. I can get a 5-1 ARM, uh, and it's lower. The interest rate is lower, but uh, and then in five years I sell it. Uh, although I'm not a proponent of ARM. I I know it has its advantages and disadvantages.
0: Well, and I think an adjustable rate mortgage, an ARM, is great for a specific person right. and a specific set of circumstances. Uh, right. Right. Um, and you gave one example. If you're going to own the home short term and they're giving you a low right. teaser rate for the right. first two years and you're only no going right. to own it three years... All right, you're gambling on that third year, but True. you're probably going to win.
1: Yeah. No, I'll tell you, uh, no matter market up, market down, investing in real estate has been the only form of investments that I have practiced throughout my entire life, other, uh, other than something like an IRA. So uh, I'm. I'm not an equity investor. I've just never wanted to be in an equity. And I say equity from the standpoint of stock market. I've always want to stay in the. I want to be able to get my car and drive over there and see my investment.
0: Okay. So we'll dub that the visible investment. That's right. You want to be able to drive there in a short amount of time and be able to see your investment as opposed to knowing that you have... uh, you bought stock in a pork rinds company. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and you may never see those pork rinds because you can't even find them anymore in the stores.
1: Nope. Well, you know, you have to bear in mind, when you're investing in real estate, from the standpoint of a return on your investment, remember that your price, uh, your return begins immediately through uh, price appreciation. Uh, It also... Begin to gain through inflation. So you got appreciation, inflation, and the leverage you have in buying. Uh, you have, uh, 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 and at any time you can refinance that property for additional cash flow, create value by improving the location of the property, and like I said earlier, sheltering cash for um, tax purposes and mm-hmm. passive income in the future.
0: Yeah, and for tax, well, let's talk about tax purposes, sure. so that people don't get this idea that ah, oh, real estate investors don't pay taxes. Uh, they certainly do pay taxes. I'm sure, they do. If you make money on that place, you're going to pay. In, you're going to pay income tax on that.
1: Uh, uh, you know. Uh... I'm going to agree with that and I'm going to disagree with that. Thank God for that D word. And I'm not talking about Don, I'm talking about depreciation. Greatest tool in the real estate investment market since the beginning of the time, being able to depreciate that property. So it'll take a piece of property that might normally not cash flow, it cash flows because depreciation creates a saving on your taxable income.
0: I like how you say that—that that depreciation on your taxes—and
1: right. I see the justification well, depreciation on your investment, right? Yeah.
0: So if you own, um, if you uh, had a property and it was worth three hundred thousand, thirty thousand of it was the land, two hundred seventy thousand was the building. Mm-hmm. They're going to allow you to take one twenty seventh of that per year. And write it off your taxes. $10,000. Yeah, $10,000. And for any accountants out there listening, I know it's 27 and a half years, but (laughs) I'm doing my math off the top of my head. So we we got to go with just 27. Right. All right. So um, let's say you brought in $10,000. No, I'm going to use a different number. Let's say you brought in $15,000 income in, in rents for the year. Yeah. And you spent $15,000 in debt, taxes, insurance, maintenance, repairs, advertising, et cetera. Et cetera. Break so, even. Yeah, it's a break even. Um, you think, gosh, why did I go to all this trouble? Well, you get to take that extra $10,000 of depreciation as a write-off. So yeah. now you technically lost $10,000 for the year on that property. However put it right. in the bank sure you're because you the pro, the property physically is depreciating right it is so you will and that's the theory behind depreciation is that that roof is getting older the the structure's getting older the water heater the air conditioner so you got to save it right. however to contrast or complement depreciation is appreciation absolutely so your condo that you bought for twenty eight (laughs) thousand is now worth three quarters of a million dollars it is so um there is why real estate is a great investment
1: you know and i hate to admit that because uh, uh i have been actively involved with the fresno association of realtors with their investors and exchanges group where we're trying to uh uh implement on the minds of our younger realtors is very important to invest so believe you me there's some stories i don't like to bring up as a you know one of the a part of the leadership team in investment uh to have to admit that i sold a piece of property for fifty-two thousand. now it's worth three quarters of a million and i really didn't have any real good reason to do it other than location my being up north and property down south uh it's a hard pill to swallow for all
0: those people listening out there, I want to let you know, Tom, Mr. Tom Hyatt still has not forgiven me <laughs> for selling an investment property five years ago. When he heard that I sold one rather than keep it, uh, ooh, it, it, it got your
1: dander up. Well, just remember, I think it was Mark Twain. Remember what he said? Um, Land. They, uh, building them no more. That's right. Population continues to grow. People need housing. And I am a diehard advocate of investing in real estate. And thank God for all our real estate investors.
0: Okay. And when we get back from our next commercial break, we're going to go more into the benefits and pros of investing. Sure. And then we're going to get into some landlord-tenant relationship questions. Okay. So uh, stay tuned uh, to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, and here in the studio with us, we have Tom Hyatt of Hyatt Real Estate, an investor. But first, the reason for the Star Wars walk-up music. <laughs> uh, I went to the Grizzly game last night. Holy smokes, that place was packed, and it was Star Wars night. Good. And it was a fun, fun event. We're so fortunate
1: to have the Grizzlies here.
0: Yeah. So yeah, fortunate. it's a good organization. Yes, sir. Um, plus, you gotta love baseball. That, yes. that, that's my thing. I well, love it's America's
1: baseball. sport. We know that. America's it's the time.
0: Don Scordino sport. That's <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, and, and talking about, you know, in last night's game, I'm sure the Grizzly manager had a game plan sure. how he wanted to approach it. Uh, the pitcher had an idea how he wanted to approach each hitter. So I want to go back to the question I asked you at the beginning of the show about your game plan. So when sure. you first made an investment, not a house to live in, but you said I'm going to be a real estate investor. Were you doing that short term, long term? What what was your game plan?
1: My game plan has always been a long term investor. I'm still invested today at 77. And that was 50 years ago. I have no no plans of changing that. Oh uh, I have discovered, in particular, as a real estate agent, obviously I have a little advantage over most investors because I'm more up-to-date on availability in the market. Uh, Not only that, but all agents remember that the day that you buy your piece of investment property, the day that escrow closes, you get a return on your investment immediately through commissions. So, um, now, my approach to investing 50 years ago as compared to now – even though real estate is uh, a, a well it is a way of life for me in particular from my investment standpoint is major not only for me but my family um I have seen times that thank God I had that real estate investment in particular in the down market because I did have income that was coming in from from real estate uh an, Unfortunately, now for me, that I'm still working, still creating income. I've owned some properties so long that now I have positive cash flows. And I don't, I mean, positive from the standpoint, I have to reflect a gain even after all my depreciation is gone on my tax return on April 15th. And I don't like that.
0: Well, although uh, that means you have income, so you kind of have to like
1: the income. Well, uh, Yes and no, which is a different subject from the standpoint, again, saying that I'm 77. There's some things that, that are affected by too much income, such as how it affects your Social Security, how it affects your Medicare, and all this stuff. It um, um, You don't want it to have a negative impact on that. And unfortunately, it might reach the point that it has.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, of course, at that point, you can do a 1031 exchange, invest upwards you- so that you have um, a agree. difference a different um, financial set.
1: My wife and I have been talking about that very thing uh, because eventually uh, the two of us will probably, and that's years down the road, five, ten years down the road, but we're going to turn our business over to our daughter. But in the meantime, I'd like to sell Two of my properties that I've owned for quite some time, and certainly I'm not trying to yell out to my tenants, go find a new place to live. Please don't. Uh, but there's two of ours that we plan to sell to do a 1031 tax deferred exchange to a place that we would like, could be on the coast, could be uh, San Francisco, place that we can uh, uh, use for different uh, two different purposes, not only as an investment, but maybe we can visit it. Uh, ourselves, and if we can't stay there, we can stay at a hotel and write off the cost. So, mm-hmm. But we're planning to do a, a 1031 exchange right now on two of our investments.
0: A little, a little investment advice for you, Tom. All right. It's okay, to be able to write it off the, the travel cost, uh-huh. it has to be more than 50 miles away from town. So Wait, I know oh, you, you. I like <laughs> to invest <laughs> tw- you know, 25 minutes away. But, uh,
1: well, no, no, this is going to be Definitely over 50 miles away. Definitely. All right.
0: So to somebody out there who's thinking about investing, what different types of real estate can you invest in? And what are the pros and cons of each one?
1: Well, you know, you can either, uh, uh, obviously, you can invest in residential real estate. And we've talked about rather uh, exclusively to this point. I like that. You
0: know why? Why?
1: People need that. Oh, I agree. Well, you know, that's the only uh, the only commercial, if it falls under the definition of commercials that I have owned, is when I've had multifamilies that exceeded uh, in real estate terminology. If it's over four, now all of a sudden it becomes commercial. So, But I've always stayed investing in things such as apartments or single-family homes uh so you can have residential you can have commercial you can have ag you can do land uh uh, so there's at least four that you can do but no matter what you one of the advantages too if you think you're going to have a problem dealing with tenants or understanding tenant problems of which thank god to this point i have not had Uh, unfortunately i have done an eviction but uh, so i guess there would be one or two if you have land You're not dealing with any tenants, and I think that's – I love dealing with tenants. They're just like me. Uh, So I've never been a land buyer, Mm -hmm. never. I've never been a commercial buyer. So with
0: land, you have fewer problems. Right. Now, you can still have people dumping trash. I know April 1st, the city's going to make you keep it mowed down, get get rid of the weeds. Uh, But not too big of a problem. But then you don't have a monthly income either.
1: No, you don't. There's no monthly income and there's no depreciation. Unless there's a billboard on it. See, that's what's interesting
0: about real estate. There's so many different facets. I know a guy who actually likes buying bare land in certain locations where he can sell billboard space.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I and certainly that's a part of the market that I'm not that familiar with, but I'm certain that is uh you know from a taxable standpoint and that I try to stay on top of the taxable opportunities in my investment and I don't know to what extent that I don't know who the billboard belongs to. Mhm. See chances are that billboard belongs to someone else and they're leasing a portion of your land. Okay. Let's
0: shift gears. Let's go uh, young guy out there thinks, "Hey, I need a place to live, so mm-hmm. I'll buy a duplex mm-hmm. so I can live in one and rent out the other. Sure, what are the pros and cons of that one well i don't Compa- think
1: compared to a single family residence well i don't think uh, the pros are obviously uh you have a place to live, you have someone that's living next door to help you make your mortgage payment mm-hmm. uh the the problem is uh you bought a du- uh, you bought a duplex and the tenant that's occupying the other side is too close if he all of a sudden you can build up a relationship where you get all of a sudden you take your mind off of the business aspect of what you're doing to begin with. You get too familiar uh and we love our tenants tremendously, but sometimes you know, you just can't make their problem your problem. You have to run your investment like a business, and we do. We run it, and I want to know my tenants, and I do know all fifteen. I I know every one of them. I love every one of them. Um, But when it comes time to pay the rent, the rent is due on the first at the on the fourth day. If you hadn't paid, there's a possibility if you hadn't had communications when you go out to leave, you might have a three day pay or pack, or, uh, you know, three day to pay hanging on your, your uh, front door. Mm-hmm. And if that kind of skips by, I run my investments like a business. And if there's still no communication after seven, eight days, nine days, take the file to the attorney. And I don't want everyone to get to this place again. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, and again, I think, and one of the things that, that I never do, and my tenants know this. I'm never going to call you and tell you something you already know. So I'm not going to call you and say, "Hey, look, my good friend tenant, uh I didn't get your rent." He knows I didn't get rent. They didn't pay it. So why make that call? Mm. So I don't. There you me.
0: go. So and, and it's good for the, they you get to know them, they yeah. get to know you. Sure. Um it, uh, here's one before we go to our commercial break. I had uh, somebody, and, and you know, they they would call me on the third day of the month and say, you know, I'm not going to get my check till Friday, so it'll be the seventh when it comes in. And I, he's told, communicated, yeah, they that's communicated. What you, and that's so, okay. But it, and they went a little further, um, but it was okay. And then the next month, it was a little bit more and a little bit more. They started to think. I was easy peasy, right? (laughs) So um, I remember one time it was December and this is where they have to have a common respect for you too. She said, well, I don't have money for the rent this month because it's December and I need it for my kids for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I told her, well, you know what? I have children too and they're entitled to Christmas presents just as yours are. Rents do. Anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up It got to the point where they pushed the envelope too far. I did have to go to the three-day notice to pay or quit, and then eventually to uh, start the eviction process. They did bail it out, but it corrected the ship, righted the ship. They lived there another couple of years, I think it was, uh, and paid on time. So they, when they knew that, hey, this is not, you know, this is something you got to do. You got to pay your rent.
1: Well, you know, the most important element between a landlord and a tenant is communication. And we all have our problems, and I don't care who you are, there's going to be that month that it's going to be rather difficult to pay that rent, and you work it out. You work it out. Uh, Communications, Mm -hmm. the most important part, landlord-tenant relationship.
0: Okay, we are going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio is Mr. Tom Hyatt of Hyatt Real Estate, a local uh, investor in real estate. And want to talk more about um, landlord-tenant relationships. Sure. Okay. Um, when uh, sometimes you read things in the news uh, and hear things on the news, it seems like an adversarial thing,
1: landlord-tenant.
0: Sure. Two different people. Is that really the case?
1: Well, absolutely not. I I'm not an adversary to my uh the people that have graced me with living in one of my investment and you know, helping me and my family achieve our purpose of investing to begin with. No, we're not adversaries. We're on the same team. Communication is as I stated earlier, communication is the most important element of landlord tenancy relationship.
0: So, it is and should be a win-win situation. Totally. Just like buying and selling is a win-win situation. Somebody needs to buy a new home. Somebody needs to sell the place they were in. That's a win-win. So, landlord-tenant is a win-win thing, and it should be. Now, it doesn't always become win-win. Somebody breaches the contract, and it could be... um, tenant not paying their rent Absolutely. it could be landlord not doing the required repairs um, where do you go from there
1: well you know uh as you're aware there is some legislation that's going on in the state of california right now in regards to dealing with those things such as uh, what is expected of us and it says that no less of residential property in which it, uh uh, in which the tenant is occupied, with or without a written lease agreement, for six months or more, shall terminate the lease without just cause. You got to have a reason. All of a sudden, you got to have a reason. And the state's been kind to us, and they've kind of outlined some of the things that we that fall in the definition of just cause before you start uh, eviction. What are some of those? Well, one obviously is that if the tenant fails to pay his rent okay if they fail to pay their rent you can
0: uh, terminate or evict
1: yes you can and let's say there's a substantial breach of uh, of a material term other of the rental agreement included but not limited to violation of provision of the lease after being issued a written notice to stop so this is where you send out uh, uh, you know the notice to perform Uh, nuisance waste Uh, a refusal by the tenant to sign a new lease, Uh, illegal conduct. Then you've got these things, no fault, just cause. See, the state want to say, you know, here's some causes that you can evict an individual, but there's some uh, no fault, just causes. As an example, an owner intends that he wants to utilize that as his own residential property and clause. Uh, If you're going to do that, you have to have that in your lease agreement, in writing, to terminate uh, a provision of the lease, agreed upon both by the owner to terminate the lease if the owner failed to decide to occupy the residential property. So you got to write that in your rental agreement with that tenant at some point. I'm planning to occupy this. Uh,
0: and I do want to clarify. That's if this bill passes.
1: If this bill passes. And one of the other things, obviously, is to withdraw the property from the rental market. If Let's say it's unsafe, uh, as determined by a governmental agency that orders uh, the property to, to actually be vacated. And if you have an intent to demolish, you're going to tear it down or to do substantial uh, uh, remodeling. And, you know, here's something that this part of this that I thought was very if a lessor of residential property issues a notice to terminate tenancy for no fault just cause, the landlord shall assist the tenant regardless of the tenant's income to relocate by providing a direct payment to the tenant. If a lessor notices, uh, issues a notice to terminate for no fault cause, the, the landlord shall notify the uh tenant of the landlord's right to relocate and if he does that you have to assist this uh, tenant economically if the uh, if the tenant has resided in the in, uh, in the property for 6 months or more but less than 2 years the amount is equal to too much rent uh and if can, the ten- can
0: i add something in there yeah i'm sure the bill is very fair and two-sided sure. so i'm sure that when the tenant decides to move they're going to give the landowner financial assistance until they rent it out again oh sure yeah. oh, it happens every day you, you know, know you know i'm being sarcastic I know, I know. there because and that's a problem that i see with the bill is that it's so one-sided oh why it you know
1: Every since I've come into the investment market, real estate investment market, uh, uh, market, I'm trying to remember that law that was passed or regulation was passed by the state of California to benefit the landlord. And if you can remember, if uh, you know of one, if you you might tell me. Now, I hope that doesn't sound like that I like sour grapes. I still love being a landlord. Uh, I still love my tenants. And I would still do it all over again. But uh, due to some landlords that have come in this business and been unfair to the tenant, the state of California has had to take necessary action to prevent that kind of stuff. Um, So um, – but like I said, I don't remember any regulation that was passed to make my life easier.
0: And, you know, there was a predecessor to this bill that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened, and I'm going <coughs> to guess it was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago, where it said that if the tenant wants to move, uh-huh. they got to give a thirty-day notice, right. which was part of the contract. However, if the landlord wants to terminate the agreement, they have to give a sixty-day. All depends, yeah. So, so in other words, it was that was the beginning of it where the tenant had greater rights than the other party.
1: Well, you know, there are a lot of changes that are going on right now. Uh, As an example, you were talking about uh, changes. There's a proposal now, which I'm fortunate. I have some Section 8 tenants, and I've never had a problem. But there's some landlords that just say, I'm not going to have anything to do with Section 8. Well, now there's a possibility, if passed, that if a Section 8 or an individual that has uh, income through Section 8 applies to rent one of your units, you can't turn them down because they're receiving Section 8. You have to consider that. And believe you me, we uh, at Tom and Angie Hyatt will do that. We will. We have and will continue.
0: And I'll I'll say this, and I have a lot, a lot of experience with Section 8. I like it. I do. uh, However... You are entering into an agreement also with a large bureaucracy. Yes, you are. So your property may stay vacant for up to a month, and that's locally here. And I understand ours is a well-run mm-hmm. bureaucracy here. Sure it's still is. a bureaucracy. But you, you, um, so you agree to rent to this person who's on Section 8 before they Section 8 can come out and do their inspection and make sure the home is safe.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Maybe a month goes by before they give the okay and they'll start paying you sure. and, and then it might be another month or two before you get your first paycheck.
1: Mm-hmm. maybe the landlord can't afford that and if that's the case uh I'm certain there's some provision well i'm i you know I'm not that familiar with that change uh where we as uh landlords Cannot refuse a Section 8 tenant based on, uh, I don't know if the time that it takes Section 8 to do what is needed so you can get your property rented is one of the things you can say, well, I'd love to take Section 8, but it takes those guys too long for me to get my place rented. I don't know if that's built into the bill that gives us that excuse. I don't think it is. Yeah, probably not. And what if the, the property
0: is in an area where you don't want it sitting vacant for a month? because you may you may get some, you know, somebody uh, a squatter moving in
1: there. Well, you know, there's a couple of things about vacant properties that you have to be very careful of. First of all is what effect does it have on your insurance coverage? If a piece of property has been vacant, let's say for 30 Excellent days or point. more. Excellent point. Excellent point. Because there's a possibility that some of the insurance that you have might not be uh, enforceable should a particular problem occur.
0: Most insurance companies will cancel you after it's been vacant for, I believe, it's 60 days.
1: 60 days, that's right. Yeah. So we've got to be careful about that, and you're absolutely right. Now, one of the things that I do is that there is an alarm company here in Fresno that if I have a vacant unit or a vacant home, I will put a temporary... Alarm system in that home that let me know uh, lets me know if someone enters that home, such as a squatter, I am on top of it. My telephone rings because they don't know the combination of that uh, that alarm system. So, any time that I have a vacancy and it is it appears it's going to be unoccupied for quite some time, I have an alarm system in it all my units will have land. and then when the tenant moves in if they want to keep the system or they have to work something out with the alarm company or I remove it. Mhm. You know,
0: going back to the bureaucracy thing um with Section 8. Here's here's how uh, it normally works. So you, you meet a tenant, they meet you, it looks like it's a good fit, they qualify yeah. and um they say, "But you know what? I really don't need it for 30 days." So you say as the landlord, well, you know, I really can't wait 30 days. Right. How right. about if we meet in the middle and um, you start renting it two weeks from now? So I'll keep it empty two weeks, but then you start. It gives you time to move in sure. without, uh, you know, sure. the pressure. Okay, that's how it normally works. I'm going to give you a, a, a case of how this worked with when you had to, I had to deal with a bureaucracy. So I found somebody who I thought would be excellent for that home and uh she was on section eight uh agreed to rent to her i checked with section eight the rent that i was charging fit into the program It, it it was a fair market rent yeah and uh she qualified for that but it was almost a month before they could come out so i had to sit there with it empty went during the inspection the inspector came out and said well good news and bad news uh and keep in mind the new tenant had the moving van there she um the lady said good news and bad news. Good news is the house passes. Bad news is i we required additional income information. she doesn't qualify for the eight seventy five anymore wow. now she only qualifies for seven fifty a month. So here we both waited a month to hear that the poor lady. The tenant broke down in tears she's got the moving van there she's thinking there's no way that i'm going to lower the rent that that much to accommodate her and to accommodate section eight well the end of the story is i
1: did yeah, <laughs> as i would I, have what too. do you do with a that's you know right. a
0: crying person in a moving van there sure. and it's like yeah. that's all right i'll just work harder myself and make the extra hundred and something dollars a month some other way
1: let your uh, at the end of the year, the federal government say to help you with a loss on your income <laughs> yeah. for your property year. All right, we'll make
0: it. It will <laughs> make it. That's right. Okay, with that, we're going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio nine forty ESPN. We with one last time. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Tom Hyatt, our guest today, talking real estate investments. But you mentioned the Bulldogs. Yeah,
1: you got the fight song going on. What happened last night? My, well, at, at around the seventh inning, it was eight to two Fresno State. I hope I hope they pulled it out. And to my understanding, they did. This is the Bulldogs. When they won the World Series, they're on their way. All right. The Wonder Dogs. The Wonder Dogs. That's it.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So let's talk about another piece of legislation that's going on in the state of California that could greatly impact uh,
1: landlord-tenant relationship. Yes. And that would be... uh, putting a cap on uh, rent hikes statewide. Uh, And it appears, in fact, um, uh, as we all know, the cost of rental properties of a single-family home in the state of California continues to grow, continues to grow. Uh, And it's getting to the point that the state is— thank God in Fresno where we have a— a better economic capability of not only buying investment property but in renting our uh, our homes at a reasonable price unlike places like San Francisco and unfortunately the rent the cost of renting in San Francisco that ship has already sailed you know something that bothers me
0: about this whole thing i'm gonna, when you have rents of $4000 for a one bedroom one bath sure, apartment sure in the bay area Mm -hmm. uh of course boy their incomes are kind of out of out of sight too but um and so that creates a rental problem there by making a state law they're impacting areas that are in greater balance like we are we we have a a more balanced market between uh income rents and, and, and values uh and you know what? It, somebody's going to say, well, I don't know. I'm struggling to pay my rent. Someone else might say, I'm struggling to pay my mortgage. And there are homeless people out there, too, that are struggling.
1: Right. Life is work. Life is work. Well, you know, when the subject of rent control comes about, I have a friend of mine that I was talking to here recently. That said he has a tenant that he hadn't increased their rent since 2002. Uh, Now I know that person. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you call self-imposed rent control. I mean, you have – however, we would have been so upset – and now, first of all, I am not a proponent of the state passing this rent control initiative. It's going to be tied, and there's going to be winners, and there's going to be losers – uh, obviously the winner is going to be that person that moves into your property. You've owned it now for twenty, twenty-five years. They've been there for 25 years, and their rent is well below market rent. So they're a winner. Then you have a person that's just entering the rental market, and they're going to have to pay whatever the rental market will bear. New construction is exempt from this. Uh, but in any event, to my understanding, what they plan to tie this in, uh, in areas other than where there's already an existing rent control in effect. And this would be where the maximum amount that you could increase the rents would be uh, taking the average of the CPI, which is about 2.5%, and with a 5% Gorder, so it would be the maximum you can increase your rent is 7.5%. Now, that's a pretty good amount, 7.5% rate hike, in particular with people like you and I that have been in this business for so long, hadn't increased our rents now since 2002. We have to think, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should review this so it could possibly hurt some of our tenants. Living in the state of California, whether you're a renter or not, is not getting cheaper day by day and this cap on rent hike is not going to be a measure that's going to make it easier to live it's just not going to happen you know a year ago i
0: wasn't even thinking about increasing rents um i mean if i've got a good tenant i don't want to rock the boat right this is telling me you better do it because if you don't take it you're going to lose it
1: that's right there's no two ways about it uh And there's a provision in there, too, which
0: I hope gets taken out because that would no longer be rent control. It would be a price control. And the provision would be that when a tenant moves out and the new person moves in, that the rent control stays. So it stays with the property, not with the tenant. I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Um, Hopefully, that's one of the first things that gets taken out because... That could be that could that's price control. That's like saying gasoline can't go more than two dollars a gallon. Well, if that's the case, I wonder how many uh, petroleum companies are going to bother to uh, to produce oil.
1: Well, you know, from the standpoint of investing, and unfortunately, the housing industry has been kind of the whipping boy from the standpoint, or the whipping. Investment. Let me mm-hmm. uh, for many, many years. Now, if they tried to place some type of a control on a stock market return, see, it's not going to work. Uh, so, from the standpoint of investing in real estate, I, I hope that this rent. Uh, well, let's say the cap on rental increase. I hope it doesn't pass. Let the market seek. Uh, you know.
0: That's basic economics.
1: Basic, right. Supply and demand, exactly. Leave it alone and whatever. Now, we have to be very conscious of whatever uh, our tenants can pay from the standpoint of, um, well, I'm going to have to back off that from the standpoint. uh, When I have a house up for rent, I've already determined what that rent's going to be right now in this market. I've already determined this house is going to rent for $1,000. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to have a tenant come up and apply to uh, give me an application for rent and say, but I can only pay 850 because they've just wasted a lot of their time. I have a question for you real quick. How do you determine what rent you're going to charge? Market the market. Okay. The market, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I would find it very difficult. As an example, I have a fourplex on a particular street uh, here in Fresno. Right across the street is another fourplex just like it. Mm-hmm. And if they're charging, let's say, $750 for a two-bedroom apartment over there, it's not going to do me any good to try to charge 1200 because I'm not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So the market generally will dictate the rents that you can charge. I got you.
0: So, Mr. Tom Hyatt, also known as the Mark Twain of real estate, (laughs) summarize today, why should somebody invest in real estate?
1: Well, you know, there was a term. uh, I have a book that I've been reading. And the book, as you call, was Investing in Real Estate. And the the piece of advice that I'm going to give you is invest in property now or forever live with your regret.
0: That's a good one. So, and but I thought you were going to say because they ain't making no more. It's a good <laughs> good investment. Well, that too. <laughs> well, Tom, I want to thank you very much for coming in today and sharing your wit and wisdom with us. And thank you to all our listeners out there for tuning in. And we'll be back next Saturday
1: um, on the eighth of June.
0: Take thank care. You,
1: thank you, Don.